Knuckleheads MMA podcast for UFC Fight Night Vancouver. This is UFC Fight Night 158. Donald Cerrone versus Justin Gagey. I'm Tim. I'm here again with Lee. We're talking fucking Lee. Hello, everybody. Uh, so we're coming off of UFC 242 pay-per-view. Uh, it was a great event. Uh, what did you think, Lee? I agree with you. And, uh, you know, the main card was obviously strong. And the main event itself was, I think, what, you know, many people predicted. Still a fun fight to watch. Um, Poirier at one point had him in a choke. Looked like he might get it. This is number one bullshit. So that had a little bit of drama. But ultimately, uh, Khabib did what a lot of people thought he would do. And I love the end, the sportsmanship. It was a nice change of pace. Super enjoyable card. Yeah. So we'll just go into the recap. Uh, the first fight was Diego Fajeda versus Maribak Tysimov. Uh Fajeda won. I picked Fajeda. Uh, you and Jose picked Tysimov. Boo. Really too much volume striking in the fight. Uh, it's a shame he can't wrestle because I would have liked to see him uh, use some of his jiu-jitsu on the ground. But great performance. Agreed. Uh, the next fight was Curtis Blades and Shamil Adrahimov. Uh Curtis Blades won, and all three of us were on Curtis Blades. Uh, I thought Curtis Blades really looked good in this fight. Yeah, I thought he looked great. I thought he looked like a guy who could get a title shot sooner than later. And it was also the most predictable fight on the entire card. Yeah. Uh, the next fight was Islam Makachev versus Davi Hamos. Islam Makachev won. And you and I were on Islam Makachev. Jose was on Davi Hamos. Uh, I thought Makachev maybe the performance of the night. Uh, he really won more decisively and in a more dominating fashion than I expected. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, then we'll move on to Edson Barboza and Paul Felder in the co-main event. Felder won. Uh, you and I had Edson Barboza. And Jose had Paul Felder. Uh, a lot of people disagree with this decision, and I hear that Barboza and his team are protesting the decision and trying to get it overturned. I think that the protest uh, is going to be about as realistic in terms of it being successful as you and I getting into the UFC tomorrow. Um, but that said, maybe they will run it back and have a trilogy fight. Uh, the big problem that I know you and I have is the judging. For there to be one judge who calls a shutout for Barbosa and another judge for Felder, it's just a continuing issue with judges not scoring the right way or maybe even the scoring system, you know? Um, so that said, Felder fought a great fight. Um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with him winning. I wouldn't have had a problem with either fighter winning. Right. But Felder looked really good, and it's nice to see him get over the hump of that first loss. And he's in the thick of things in terms of climbing up the ladder. So both are still dangerous fighters, no doubt. Maybe Feller's best performance of his career. 
I'm just not sure he got the win, but it's fair enough. Very close fight. Very good fight. So then we'll go to the main event, which was Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier. Khabib won uh, in a very dominating performance, uh, much as you and I predicted. Just another great performance by Khabib. Incredible performance. And uh, one thing I wanted to add is that for me, that cements him being the top pound-for-pound fighter in the world currently. Uh, He is the most dominating fighter in the world. I think he's more dominating than John Jones because you have not seen a lot of close fights with Khabib in the UFC. And I really, truly believe that at this point, you can make an argument that Khabib is the most dominating mixed martial artist of all time. He's one-dimensional, but he's one-dimensional in a way that is unbelievably impressive. I mean, you know, there's there's fighters who are one-dimensional where they're pure strikers, they have nothing else, and they go back and forth between wins and losses. Khabib's a guy who dominates you by ragdolling you and overpowering you physically and then getting into your head mentally because of what he does to you physically. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to see one man consistently do that to top-notch fighters and to see these guys break down. They should do a montage of his recent top-notch opponents in his you know grasp, literally like tight shots on their face and the sad looks on their face to like violin music as they can't <laughs> escape his grasp because that's what happens. These guys are like, I can't get out of this. And yeah. Poirier, that's what happened with him, right? right I yeah. mean, just couldn't figure it out. I heard that he was going back to his corner and saying, I can't keep this guy off of me. And it was really starting to get to him as the fight went on. So that's one of the things Khabib does is break them down mentally. There's really, like, nobody like him right now. People like to talk about, like, Colby Covington, like, uh, like Usman. But I think Khabib is on his own level. I agree, but there actually are people like him. All the guys in his camp, they're all <laughs> like they're 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 animals, you know. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I know. No, I know what you're saying. And as for what's next for Dustin Poirier, uh, he expressed to Dana White after the fight that he wants his rematch with Conor McGregor, and I think that's a good fight for both of them to uh, come back off of their losses, respectively, to uh, Khabib, but. Based on Connor's response, it didn't sound like he was too interested in it. And his first tweet was actually to book his rematch in uh, Moscow with Khabib. This is number one bullshit. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, we'll see what happens. God. But I, I think Connor, uh, Connor and Dustin Poirier is a, a good matchup. I do too. And uh, Connor, you know, we understand why he wants that rematch, but it, it's not happening anytime soon. Um, they're going to attempt to do the Ferguson fight again, and uh, they've tried it several times now. If that falls through, then yes, Connor. Quite honestly, it, you know, the, the UFC will find a way to convince Khabib to take the fight. Um, that said, uh, I like that Khabib wants nothing to do with Connor right now. The negativity was just really bad. As far as um, Dustin's concerned, you know, I like the matchup and I, I like the matchup for both fighters because, you know, Dustin is a much improved fighter since he last fought Connor and was stopped early in 2014. And frankly, I think Dustin would give Connor a lot of trouble if not beat him. Connor can catch anybody striking, but Dustin would fight a smarter fight. 
fight. And he's not going to stand in exchange. He would take Connor to the ground, test his ground game, which essentially to me, and I'm being harsh, is non-existent. Boom, roasted. Test his stamina as he should be tested. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see it happen. And, uh, you know, for Dustin, it's a smart business decision. It would be a second straight big money fight. Khabib was a big money fight. And uh, I understand why he wants it, but, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad... Is it the sexiest fight for Conor? No. But I don't understand why you would turn it down. Because it's also, I think, a winnable fight for him. So, you know, I, I, I'd like to see it happen. Yeah. I think they're both uh, much-approved fighters. Uh, back when they fought the first time, Conor still had his man bun. <laughs> He's come a long way since then. So we'll move on now to the Fight Night Vancouver breakdown. Here we go. The first fight is Misha Serkimov and Jimmy Crute. This is basically an even money fight. Uh, Serkimov coming off of being the latest victim of Johnny Walker's uh, quick knockouts. Uh, how do you see this fight going, Lee? I see it going in Crute's favor. I think he's going to stay undefeated, go to 11-0. and 0. Um, You know, basically, Crute, I think his striking advantage is what's going to win this fight for him. Um, you know, Serkinov is is a grappler with a, with a legit ground game. Um, but I just think that at some point, the striking advantage is going to be, uh, you know, something that's going to stop uh, Serkinov. And, you know, Serkinov is... Sort of on the downside here, lost three of his last four. Those are all stoppages. Um, could he, you know, catch Crute on the ground? Sure. But I just think that Crute's going to win this uh, fight and he's actually going to stop Serkinov. I think I agree with you here. Uh, usually when there is a wrestling advantage as big as there is in this one in the favor of Serkinov, that's the direction I would go in. But I've seen Serkinov get hurt so many times. Like I said at the top, he was knocked out by Johnny Walker. He was stopped by Glover Teixeira just a little bit before that. He takes a lot of damage, and he doesn't seem to handle it well. So I think Jimmy Crute, just being younger, uh, bigger, stronger, faster, I, I just see him eventually hurting Serkimov with a shot and uh, probably ending the fight that way. Yep. All right, so we'll move on to the second fight, which is Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Uriah Hall. Shoe face, a minus 210 favorite. Coming off a, some would say, and I would say surprising loss to Ian Heinish. But besides that, he's looked pretty good. Uh, Hall hasn't looked as good lately, and he's now 35 years old. Uh, how do you see this one, Lee? Yeah, um, Carlos Jr., you know, he had a five-fight win streak snapped by that Heinish loss. And, you know, Hall's won two of his last three, but he had lost also three in a row prior to that. And, you know, Hall's the most frustrating fighter to me to watch in the UFC because of his potential. And I know that got very hyped up on the ultimate fighter, but when you watch him, you see that explosiveness. And when he explodes, um, you know, you put him up there as some of the most explosive amongst the most explosive strikers in the UFC. The problem for me is he doesn't let it go enough. And I have a feeling here he's going to get, I I, I know there's not a track record of him getting caught on the ground, but I have Carlos Jr. Catching him on the ground and submitting him late in this fight. Yes. So Uriah Hall was stopped by Paulo Costa 
and he was stopped by Derek Brunson. But Antonio Carlos Jr. doesn't really threaten you with knockout ability. He only lands 1.97 strikes per minute. If you look at Uriah Hall's record like you alluded to, you don't really see a lot of submission losses. Uh, and that's really Carlos Jr.'s strength is uh, his jiu-jitsu. But he also likes to take the fight down to get it there, and Uriah Hall only defends at a 44% rate. Carlos Jr. averages almost four takedowns per fight, so I just see him really having success with takedowns in this one. Uh, I'm not sure, based on uh, Uriah Hall's record, if Shoeface is going to find a finish, but I think he'll be able to control the fight on the ground, and I think he'll get the win. We agree. Okay, so then moving on to the third fight, we have Michelle Perea versus Tristan Connolly. Uh, Perea is coming off of an impressive win versus Danny Roberts. Connolly is coming in as a replacement on, I believe, five days' notice, and Connolly is going up in a weight class for this fight. So the size difference uh, on fight night could be massive. Uh, Great point. Yeah. Yeah. Perea, I think, used to fight even up to heavyweight at one point, I believe. And he has a three-inch height advantage. He has a five-inch reach advantage. He's eight years younger. Connolly's 34, but just making his UFC debut. And he only has a professional record of 13-6. and six. I, I just really don't like this fight. The difference in these two fighters really makes me nervous. Uh, Connolly is in a bad position here. Uh, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, look, Connolly being a late replacement, he's also Canadian. So the UFC wanted to keep this fight because if people are listening and don't know who Michelle Perea is, Google his name, go on YouTube. So what he essentially is, in addition to being a gigantic welterweight, is he is an absolute lunatic inside the the, the, the cage. Um, he is as close to a street fighter. Hadouken! that you would see, meaning like he will jump off the cage and do Anthony Pettis type stuff. He'll jump off the cage and try and like land on his opponent. He dances around. It, it, it is the, the stuff he does is absolutely insane. So he's become sort of a, a cult favorite, so to speak, but I highly recommend that you watch some of his videos. Um, as far as Connolly is concerned, uh, this is about what he has going for him. He's fighting in Canada. He's on a four-fight win streak outside of the UFC, which I'm just saying, at least he knows how to win. And he's also 8-1 and one in his past nine fights. Other than that, it's a rare sacrificial lamb type of fight. The UFC didn't want to cancel this because they have a guy who is a fan favorite. Uh, like, real big fan favorite with, you know, right now it's more hardcore fans. But this guy's getting a lot of notice because he's just, he's a lunatic. Um, now... Does Connolly have a shot? Do you want to be a fighter? I think anybody who fights Perea has a shot because he leaves himself so open to getting caught. Um, I guess the comparison I would make is to Bellator's Michael Page. Um, <laughs> they do some wacky, wacky stuff and, and leave themselves open. 
And, you know, we saw not too long ago what happened to Paige. But that said, I think it's Perea's fight. Right. Let's just go with the guy who <laughs> is the fun guy, you know? I, but I'm just, you know, throwing it out there that yeah, anything can happen. And, Paige got and knocked this guy, out by you know. Douglas Lima. <laughs> it's, it's a no, I know. I know. I, 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 I'm just saying anything can happen. These are grown men. But, yeah. you know, yeah, he, this this should be an easy call here. Right. And the, the weight difference that that is a phenomenal point. I mean, there may legitimately be a by the time they they get inside the uh, the octagon, uh, 20 25 pound weight difference, right. you know, once they get their water weight back and all that. All right, so we'll move into another very interesting narrative fight. It's uh the return of Todd Duffy versus Jeff Hughes. Hughes a minus 125 favorite, so pretty close to even. Uh how do you see this one lee yeah you know it's todd duffy you know been on a four-year ufc hiatus and it's it's sort of crazy i think he's 33 there was a point in time when he got into the ufc you could say that todd duffy was sort of the poster boy for what a a heavyweight should look like a good-looking dude chiseled and early on, it looked like there could be some stardom there. And then all of a sudden, Frank Mir came and just <laughs> completely crapped all over him, stopped him yeah. in the first round. And Todd Duffy really hasn't been exactly the same. You know, he lost to Overeem, lost to Mike Russo, had some fights outside the UFC. Hughes is a training partner for two-time heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic. I think he should be the favorite. Here's what's going to happen in this fight. Someone's getting knocked out. I mean... Duffy rarely gets out of the first round. Those usually end in knockouts. They both have power. I don't know that this fight will last halfway through the first round. I actually think Duffy's going to get KO'd and that the UFC will finally uh, say goodbye to him permanently. Uh, I think Hughes will win this fight. Um, But Duffy's just gone through so many injuries and wear and tear, and he really doesn't have a great chin. Yeah, uh, to kind of go off of your point, uh, all of Todd Duffy's fights end in knockout. <laughs> he has nine wins. They're all by knockout. And he has three losses, and all of those are by knockout. He's really like the all-or-nothing-type nothing fighter. Uh, he, yeah. And then also the poster boy comment, he was uh, on, literally on a magazine cover, uh, some kind of like muscle magazine. He was, he was on yeah. the cover. Uh, he's got really like an interesting story. I don't want to go into all of his injuries that he's had that's kept him out of fighting for so long because it's just mm-hmm. there's so many. So I encourage everybody yeah. to look him up. But he's had a ton of injuries, <laughs> all different parts of his body. And he hasn't fought since I believe it was September 2015. But uh, July 2015. He's been out a long time. You know, you know who he sort of rem- he's almost like a heavyweight version of Sage Northcutt, like this blonde dude, buff, right. you know, uh, yeah. poster boy type guy. Yeah, you know, that's one of the biggest differences in this fight is physique. Like Jeff Hughes, no offense, is kind of a fat guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're kind of the same size, but Hughes is just built differently. Duffy's like this chiseled, like kind of literal model. And Hughes is just kind of a bigger, fatter guy. They're about the same height. Um, I'm having a hard time deciding what's... This is the... I think since we've been doing the show, this is the only fight that I've gone to record and not actually had a decision on who I think is going to win. No, I, I. it's totally hard. It's almost like who lands the big, hard, 
you know, punch right. first. The heavyweight division, you never know like who's going to get knocked out. It's always kind of like a roll of the dice. So I think I'm going to side with Jeff Hughes too, just based on the layoff of Todd Duffy. Uh, and the fact that he's either going to get knocked out if he doesn't knock them out. So, uh, I mean, it's all, yeah, I'm going to go with Jeff Hughes, but not very confidently. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we'll move on to the co-main event of the evening. We have Glover Teixeira versus Nikita Krylov. Uh, Teixeira seems to be getting a second wind in his career. He's uh, 39 years old now. Uh, I was writing him off like four or five fights ago. I was betting against him on DraftKings, but he's mm-hmm. really looked good lately. How do you see this co-main event going, Lee? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, he's won, Glover has won two in a row by submission. Um, so the question is, is do you believe that a guy who's almost 40 and who is regardless, even though he's won a couple fights in a row in three of his last five, do you believe that this guy who has now a pattern of getting hit more and more can keep this up, at least for this fight? And, um, you know, one interesting little side note here is they both have fought Misha Serkinov and Glover won and uh, Krylov lost for whatever that's wor- uh, worth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing is this. I, I think Glover should try and get this fight to the ground. Uh, that's even though Krylov averages... Uh, just over two uh, uh, submission attempts per 15 minutes. Um, I think that Krylov's actually going to catch Glover and stop him. Um, I just think that Glover, that trend of getting hit's going to catch up to him. He's almost 40. Uh, that said, I, I find this a tough fight to call because Glover could absolutely submit Krylov. So I'm just going to go with Krylov, but. I'm not 100% confident in my call. And I love Glover Teixeira, by the way, one of the great good guys yeah. in the sport. Yeah, it took him way too long to get into the UFC. Yeah. Uh, but for me, uh, I think I'm going with Glover. Uh, Krylov strikes at a much higher rate, uh, 5.32 to 3.46, but he only defends takedowns at a 46% rate. Glover... That's really where he's had his success lately. And he lands over two per fight. Uh, And what makes it even more interesting is of Krylov's six professional losses, five of them are by submission. Hmm. And and his losses, he's struggled with takedowns. So Gover Teixeira's good performances lately have been by taking people down and either, like, uh, ground-pounding them like he did to Serkimov or submitting them. So that's what I think is going to happen in this fight. And I think if I was going to choose one, I would probably go with submission based on Krylov's struggles with submissions. But I think Glover is going to take the fight down and find a path to victory from there. I'm going with Glover. All right. All right, so then we'll move on to the main event of the evening. Justin the Highlight Gagey versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, Gagey a minus 190 favorite. This fight, I mean, it's not the worst card, but I think this fight really makes this card. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is just a really exciting fight. Uh, It it should be a really wild fight. Cowboy looked great versus Iquinta. He looked pretty good against Ferguson before the doctor stoppage. Uh, 
but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a good fight for Gagey, as in like a good matchup for him. But how do you see this? I agree with you. I actually think it's a very good matchup for Gaethje. Um, First of all, this is one of the most fan-friendly fights that you could ever put together. I mean, Mm. it's going to be an action-packed fight. I don't know how long it'll last. Um, From UFC.com, Cerrone has the most wins and post-fight bonuses in UFC history. Gaethje, in his five UFC uh, appearances, has actually six bonuses. So you know the action's going to be there. Um, it's going to be an absolute war. Um, I think the key here is that Gaethje, um, he presses the action and, uh, you know, he's incredibly active. He lands 8.5 strikes per minute to Cerrone's 4.35. And, you know, Cerrone, although a very unique and uh, diverse striker, his Muay Thai is fantastic, kickboxing, uh, you know, he, he doesn't come out with the aggression that Gaethje does. And, and Gaethje's pressure striking wise is very similar to what Khabib does when he tries Mm -hmm. to maul you, except, you know, it's two different styles, but it's still pressure. And I think that I feel, I feel like pressure that it bothers Cerrone. You can literally see it sometimes when he's pressured and forced to really brawl. Um, I don't, I don't think it's something that he's always comfortable with. And, um, you know, we know that Gaethje gets hit. This stat is insane. And I almost had to do a double take. And <laughs> it came from the UFC. <laughs> yeah. Ten, he, he, he absorbs 10.23 strikes per minute. Right. I, I mean, that, that came from, just so people know, the sources, UFC stats. That, that's insanity right yeah. there. So that's Gaethje. Like, enjoy while so, it lasts because that's not going to – he's not going right, to do that right. forever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not out of the question that Cerrone could finish this fight as well. There's also a lot on the line. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about who – you know, the, the, the fallout of Khabib and Poirier and who Dustin would fight next. You know, some people are saying that the winner of this fight could get Connor. So there's a lot going on here. You sort of have this, like, sort of tournament going on in a sense. And, um, it's a big fight. You know, if, if Cerrone loses this fight, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if he said, Hey man, it's time for me to hang it up. You know, I'm just saying a a loss gets you closer to that reality. And Gaethje's just kind of guy. And I don't know how you feel, but it's like, you see these guys, you take the, you know, how like your body can't keep it up. So I don't know how much longer we have of Justin Gaethje where that chin Mm -hmm. holds up. We've seen him stop, but it's still incredible what he can do. I think Gaethje wins this fight by second round stoppage. What do you think? Yeah, I almost completely agree with you. Like everything you said was basically everything I want to say about it. Uh, I made the comment about Gaethje not being able to take uh, his absorbed strikes forever. But on the other side, I'm a little bit worried about how often Cowboy fights. I don't think he can do that forever. And I think it's going to start to affect him more and more. Uh but really, it's just the the amount and volume uh, strikes per minute Gagey over Cerrone. Exactly like you said, the aggression from Gagey, especially at the beginning. Those kind of people tend to throw Cowboy off. They give him trouble. I think it's going to be the same way. Uh, I could see this fight maybe going similarly to the Justin Gagey-Edson Barboza fight, where Cowboy will probably land a couple good kicks or something. But I'm going to go with you, and I think a second-round stoppage for Gagey sounds 
pretty accurate uh, for me. There, there's actually a good number of people that we follow, and I think a lot of the fans follow that think that Gaethje will get this done around the same time as well. But however long it lasts, should be entertaining. Yeah, that's a good one. I've been waiting for it. All right, so with that, uh, we're going to wrap up this UFC Fight Night Vancouver podcast. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, spread the word. Uh, hopefully it's a good night of fights, and we'll see you guys next time. See you guys.